My name is Josh Chodzisner. You're listening to the Improv Conspiracy Podcast, and these are my thoughts on honesty in improv. The Improv Conspiracy Podcast with your host, Bronny. Hello there, my friends. Welcome back. Good to have you. Thanks for being here. What's going on in lockdown life? Hey, are you a regular listener and do you like this podcast? Great, because I'd lo- really love to uh, up these reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you want to take a second to do that, throw us five stars, give us a little review. Every couple of months, I'm going to be uh, every Every few episodes, let's say, every three or so episodes, I'm going to be picking out my favorite review and giving that person a voucher of some sort, a, uh, you know, can be used on merch, maybe at the Improv Conspiracy website, could be used on a week of classes if you're in Melbourne, could be used on a drop-in class. Uh, if we sell it, you can probably get it with a little voucher I send you for our website, okay? So get them reviews in. Make them fun. Say what you want. Chuck some five stars on there. That'd be great. Who's on the show this week? Great question. Josh Chodziesner. Who's that? Another great question. Comedian, improviser, illustrator. You can check out his comics at Josh Chodziesner on Instagram. He's also a teacher, producer, and resident sketch writer at The Improv Conspiracy. He talks about honesty in improv and approaching characters in a way that makes it a little more simple. Uh, Stop trying to be so clever and think so much about what your characters would and wouldn't do. And just live in that moment, man. Just do stuff and see what happens. Look back later. Uh, It's a great chat. And following the great chat, we throw all the advice out the window and do a really dumb scene. Hope you like it. Here he is, Josh Chodziesna. Uh, I would like to talk about uh, honesty in improv uh, and sort of living externally uh, through our characters. Um, I see it as quite a luxury, to be honest. It's uh, having not done improv now for quite a few months, probably the biggest gap, uh, though definitely the biggest gap I've had since starting improv. I've thought about why I miss it and sort of what specifically I, I enjoy about it. Uh, and it always just sort of comes back to having the the luxury or the opportunity to live fully uh, externally, meaning any thought that pops into your head, I'm immediately putting that out. Most, pe- I don't want to say most people, but uh, me, I know for sure in general life, I live very internally. Um, I'll think through most things a uh, hundred different ways before I kind of let them come out and let my thoughts be known so it's very freeing to be able to in improv without fear of consequence uh, really sort of live moment to moment uh, and express those honest thoughts as they come up obviously when I say without fear of consequence that the consequence is obviously having a bad show and uh, people not enjoying it but I guess with experience and time that sort of fear dissipates more and more so you do feel freer to, yeah, just live honestly in, in the scene or whatever the circumstance is. 
all the other sort of aspects of improv in terms of, you know, playing the game and hitting that premise and all the sort of technical aspects of it become instincts, hopefully, is the, is the goal so that you can just focus on, you know, saying what's on your character's mind and even, you know, less what would this character say and what should this character say uh, and trying to just be more what is literally in my head right now uh, and before I have a chance to second guess it, say it out loud uh, and get it into the scene. And uh, hopefully it's something that we can work with. Worst case scenario, it's not and you immediately move on uh, and that's fine too. But yeah, I've always found that the most rewarding improv scenes for me, if I'm analysing them afterwards, uh, I always realise that I felt that I was as close to, you know, inhabiting that character as I could be. Uh, and therefore, any thought that I had that I externalised was useful in the scene. Uh, and those are always the most fun to me as well. Something that gets my goat. Is that a good, is that a good phrase? Yeah, yeah. people <laughs> use that. Um, what does that mean, gets my goat? I imagine it means like uh, in the olden times when goats were currency, it's like <laughs> yeah. someone does something that, all right, you get my goat, that was great. <laughs> but then I'm saying it's great to have my goat when really... Well, because it's you have to admit like, all right, you, you get my... I'm not happy about it, but you got, right. you got my goat. Okay. All right, yeah, we'll run with that explanation. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you said, uh, you know, you can just focus on uh, saying the first thing that comes to mind and letting that come out as my character's point of view and not so much worrying about what your character would say. And I find this bugs me a lot. Um, it doesn't bug me that people are hung up about it. It bugs me that it's something to get hung up about. <laughs> like I don't, blame, yeah. I don't blame the person for thinking this way because uh, it's yeah. pretty natural. But when a student or a performer does get um, hung up on like, uh, you know, my character wouldn't do that or my character is thinking this and like mm -hmm. and they're doing like a, a second layer of thinking. Well, in that way, they're kind of separating themselves, I think, from the character, which is only going to make it harder. Like, mm. you know, every character you play is going to be, there's some of you in it just inherently. Uh, so, you know, you, there is no separating your thoughts and the character's thoughts kind of thing. Yeah, because they'll do this thing where it's like, you might ask them what they were thinking in the scene and, and you, Josh, might go, well, I was thinking this. Mm. And then as a teacher or a coach, you're like, that's what you should have said. And they're like, but my character would not say that. And you're like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, like, who is your... you are your character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who, is the... yeah, like, yeah. who is the character except for uh, like looking back at the choices that you made rather than like looking forward for the choices that you should make? That's it, yeah. You might be able to like... After the scene, you can analyze and write a, a thesis on this character that you've created. But during the scene, it's it's just going to be, you know, the combination of your thought, your life experience and your thoughts and everything that you're bringing into it. Yeah. And then any additional, you know, POV or filters that you put it through. I'm always amazed that like, like it's evergreen, this, this problem. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, because like, I mean, it also comes up in every bloody episode of the podcast, like things that, <laughs> things that stop people from, um, you know, moving forward in scenes that many, many things that stop us. This idea that improv, like 
what you're saying is I think one of the elements of uh, my point that like improv is simpler than we make it out to be. Um, oh, for sure, yeah. Because like as soon as you give yourself the permission to just say whatever the fuck is on your mind, and again, mm. I always use this shitty example, even if that thing on your mind is I have no idea what to say right now, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, like yeah. that's a valid thing to say and that's part of that character, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's uh, obviously you know, having done improv for a number of years now, it's all of this stuff is much easier said than done. Um, and the sort of work you put in, in those first few years of doing improv, I think set you up to, I suppose, have the the privilege of being able to kind of think like this, like, you know, when you're first learning about POV, you need to have somewhat more of a conscious effort so that you can turn it into an instinct and then, you know, not worry about it so much afterwards. I just find that, you know, any, any time I come uh, out of a show or out of a scene uh, and I feel really good about it, it's 100% of the time because it felt like less effort. It's never because I feel like I worked really hard and it paid off. Even when it does, it feels hollow to me. <laughs> like when you, when you play a super slick game or something and you do all these premise calculations in your head or whatever and it's super successful i come away from it feeling a lot more hollow than if i just said what was on my mind for sure and i guess part of the privilege that you're saying oh and also part of the turning it into instinct is like um having that comfort to go to trust yourself and say i know that i'll be able to make uh, a cake out of whatever ingredients come out of my mouth right now Rather, rather than like, I need to lay out all the ingredients to see what sort of cake I'm going to make first. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely. Whereas, a, you know, when you're in level one, you're like, I can't just fucking say butter because I don't know if I'm making a yeah. dairy-free cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you don't have the experience to, to back that up in your own head. Like, you haven't got the... Anecdotally, you don't have the evidence, obviously, but even just, yeah, I guess confidence-wise, you're like your mind won't let you be as free because it doesn't have the the evidence of uh, it going well previously or even not even going well, but it not being the end of the world previously. Yeah. And I apologize to all my, or anyone who's ever been taught by me because they've heard this before, but uh, maybe now if I put it on the podcast, I can stop saying it in real life. <laughs> um, I doubt it. <laughs> uh, and it's the thing of like when someone is worried about what they're, character should or could or would do I always stop the class to discuss my knowledge of myself and how little I know about what I could and shouldn't would do (laughs) in certain situations it's like I've lived with myself um pretty intimately for 35 years and there are a bunch of scenarios where I have no idea what I would how I would react yeah I think I mean you hear people no matter how old they are they have that same thing of like you know I feel like I've only gotten to know myself in the last few years or whatever but I think yeah it's the same you can't expect to have a fully formed character the only way to do that is in retrospect and then the scene's over and it's too late that's it and because if you back Mm -hmm. me in the corner Josh in a dark alley Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would punch you in the face or scream (laughs) and run yeah I (laughs) I don't know well that's the other thing like that it depends on so many circumstances like how how brave you're feeling that day to to run with this example (laughs) yeah is it actually you you, Josh doing it someone I know exactly yeah yeah. how sure are you that it's me and (laughs) that it's not a joke and 
all this stuff. So yeah, there's just no way of, of knowing. So you might as well go with your, your instinct. Yeah. Just punch and run. Yeah. yeah. Which I mean, good to know that's your instinct. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, another big thing that you, uh, piqued my interest with was knowing that you can say whatever you want uh, without consequence. And you mentioned that, you know, the only consequence is potentially a bad show. Um, but there is a certain, there are other consequences too. Um, Potentially, mm. for example, when I first took a my very first improv class, um, I was really worried that I'd say something bad, uh, and mm. I was so concerned about it that the first we played to do do, this like mm. the first five minutes of class, and um, I I think I said cock as my <laughs> as my word, and <laughs> like I. I only think I think I only said that because I was so conscious of not saying anything dirty or, yeah, or wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like what do you what do you say to that fear of like what if I'm going to say something that puts me in hot water with an audience or yeah yeah I think it's uh for me that always comes back to intention um now this is strictly improv speaking because in real life you should think before you speak a, a little more often <laughs> Um, but yeah, in improv, I think intention is all you have really. Uh, so you just have to kind of trust that. And again, the trust comes with time, but you just have to kind of trust that if you're intending to play honestly and make the audience laugh and listen to your scene partner, all the, all the good things, then a certain percentage of that will come off successfully and a certain percentage won't, um, but you know, there's no other way to do it really. Otherwise you're just playing, yeah. There's been countless times where I've gotten a groan from an audience that I was not expecting mm -hmm. based on what I knew <laughs> that I was trying to say. <laughs> and, yeah, and then you, yeah, and then you have sure. to go like, wait, what? And then you have to like quickly calculate what the interpretation was that you missed. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that is obviously going to take you straight out of it. But it's also like, you know, there's a bunch of people sitting in a room knowing that they are watching improv. No one's like thinking that they're watching a, a fully scripted play or whatever. So even then, you know, I think there's certainly a bit of leeway with the audience. And for me, when it comes, it's maybe a little defensive, but when it comes down to it, I have to trust that that is the case. And then I have to think, you know, if there's someone in the audience who uh, doesn't uh, believe in my intention or, you know, I say something and they get a, they groan, you know, in a nicer way, fuck them. Like, <laughs> in a nicer you know, way. I'm, yeah, yeah. Fuck them nicely. Um, <laughs> you know, at the end of the, I guess you can't please everyone, but it's also like, yeah, there's always an opportunity to, uh, after the show, speak with your team about any mishaps or whatever. Um, and audience wise, yeah, you just have to trust that your intention will come through a majority of the time. Also, uh, improv um, is like an, a, a cumulative experience, and like mm. you know, if if you do, if one moment of the show you've said something that is misconstrued, um, anyone who's judging you on that single moment uh, probably doesn't understand improv, <laughs> uh, yeah, or hasn't you know hasn't seen enough of, of improv to to know that that yeah. is something that can happen. Um, yeah, for sure, and it's it's the same with like you know, calling someone a bad improviser after seeing them do a scene. It's like, that's, you know, yeah. if that was, yeah. if we were living and dying on a scene to scene basis, 
there's wouldn't there'd get be thousands of people, yeah. thousands of people in this world who think I'm a terrible improviser. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, as opposed to the hundred <laughs> who think I'm no, the you're best great. ever. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, we, we, you talked about uh, internally versus externally, and I feel like I related to you real hard on, in that moment because I was like. Um, I thought of myself at my family dinner table and how like little <laughs> I speak. Yet, if that f- if my exact family dinner ta- table was an improv scene, the things I'd be saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, on the like, I guess on a uh, on one level, it's very it can be cathartic in that way, just literally being able to speak what's on your mind at all times, kind of thing. But it's also you know, improv obviously is about kind of discovery uh, and there's just no way to keep discovering if you keep all that inside, you know. So it's really in the service of the scene, even if you think, you know, the risk is I'm going to say something that isn't in service of the scene. Literally anything you say is in service of the scene. Is there a go-to thing that you do when teaching people character? A lot of what I generally do uh, when coaching or teaching character is like, relatively formless but you know the exercise that sort of walk and walk as the character physicalize your character and walk around kind of Uh thing yeah yeah i do a lot of that but then i like to kind of extend it wherever i can so keep keep them walking around and give them just as many random prompts as i possibly can you know you you walk past a wall with graffiti on it what do you think um you know you you see a cheeseburger wrapper on the ground. What do you think? Just as many sort of random prompts as I can uh, in relatively quick fire kind of fashion and just sort of encouraging, you know, that thing we were talking about, not what should or would you think, like literally what do you think? You're walking in this physical way uh, and you see a cheeseburger wrapper. What is the first thing in your mind? Um, And, yeah, just the amalgamation of all of those thoughts. Again, in retrospect, you, you then have sort of a fully formed character. Did you once make a class, do the whole class as a character? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not I a go-to, that. that's just something you tried. I did it once or twice, I think, yeah. What were the what were the fruits of that labour? Um, I think mostly just the, the fact that you're doing it for that span of time, for an hour or two hours or whatever it is, means that at a certain point you just it's too exhausting to keep thinking, what should I do? What should I think? What should this character do or whatever? So it was literally just like at a certain point, it takes different time for everyone, but at a certain point, your brain can't keep up with the double, uh, the separation of you and the character. And so it just becomes natural. Um, and I think it's, it was a good way to kind of, uh, just show people that feeling, I guess, because that's the feeling that you're always striving for is no separation kind of thing. And did they, did you do scenes, like did you do exercises and then they were being another character? We did, yeah. We did a couple of different, uh, some scenes were like just as the character that they were playing in the training do a scene. And so in that reality, they're just doing playing themselves. <laughs> but then, yeah, we there were a couple of times I've added the extra layer of that character playing a character um, to, you know, varying degrees of success. It obviously is a lot more complicated at that point. Um, but with most of the any sort of character 
coaching I do, the only real goal is to, you know, eliminate that separation so that whatever you are saying is, you know, building your character. Well, wow, that's cool. Mm. Um, and this, this, all this talk about like, uh, just living honestly and and doing what is in your own mind and not worrying so much what's in the character's mind. Um, mm. What if I'm, what if you tell me that for the first time and I don't have confidence in the depth of my well <laughs> of like, yeah, of experience, yeah. you know, because it's like, I don't know. Yeah. What do you tell me? Uh, well, I relate to that very heavily because that's exactly what I coming into improv. Right. Uh, that's That was my main fear was like, once I learned a little bit about improv and stuff, I was like, oh, I get it in theory, but I haven't lived enough to <laughs> to draw from anything, um, which is bullshit. You know, <laughs> if you've been alive at all, you've had, uh, you have a deep enough well. Sometimes it's just, you know, if a student says that to me, I'd try to engage them in some conversation, pick a random topic. Sometimes it'll take two or three topics before I find something that, you know, they have sort of opinions on. Um, but yeah, anything to just sort of start a conversation and try to help them realize that they do have opinions and thoughts and experiences and stuff. Um, cause I think we naturally, well, I know I naturally sort of discount your own experiences. Your life is the normal life and everyone else has a more exotic life than you. Um, but if you, you know, by definition, that means that you have an exotic life to other people. So you have to just kind of trust that. And again, eventually through experience and, and practice and stuff, you start to trust that I am infinite, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, hopefully that starts showing itself and it becomes easier to trust that. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Uh, I remember Will Hines had a um, interesting take on this sort of thing and it was like, um, it was something like if I'm in doubt as a, if, if you get in doubt as a astronaut, for example, um, you just go back in your own life to the point where that path could have been possible. And then, so it's like mm -hmm. everything up to the point of the fork in the road where you didn't choose astronaut, um, is, is correct. And then like what version of Bronny is the one that takes the yeah, astronaut yeah. path? Um, because yeah. you probably know the answers to all the steps based on the steps that you did take. What's the, what's the opposite of those steps? That yeah. Led you to yeah. Astronaut. For sure. And it's even, if you think about it in that way, I guess it's also like, even if there are things specifics about astronauting that you don't know or would never have known, you would have had some answer or theory on it at that point in your life, you know, so that, that can be the answer in the scene kind of thing. You just have to maybe make that slight adjustment from, you know, question or theory to hard fact or whatever. Right. That's another great um, point. Uh, mm. The scary thing of being in doubt is, uh, trying to live live honestly in a scene as a character and having no fucking idea about <laughs> the thing that you've been in doubt mm -hmm. at. What do you say to that? Yeah. Um, like with most things in improv, I think it mostly comes down to confidence. Um, but, yeah, I think just you have thoughts on things, you know. So if someone endows you as an astronaut or as a 
construction worker or any specific area that you don't have specific knowledge on, again, it comes down to what, what's your first thought on that? When someone called you a construction worker, what was the first thing that came into your head? If it's something as simple as, oh, construction workers, they hammer nails. <laughs> you better believe I'm going to be hammering nails the whole team. <laughs> yeah. Um, or whatever, it, any small semblance. Sometimes you have to kind of magnify it a bunch. Um, but yeah, I think any, you just have to find that nugget of what your opinion is or your experiences with it and then just expand on that. Yeah. Because it's not like you, if you've been endowed as a pharmacist, you're not being asked to list all, all the chemical, um, makeup of a drug. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you're welcome to just be like, Oh, Mr. Jones, take this red one uh, four times a day <laughs> with, yeah, with a yeah, meal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, like, uh, you know, you might have encountered some, like, you're a, you're a chef, uh, you've encountered chefs before and you can just mm. you can just do the parts of chefing that you've seen be done. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to do yeah, the, back, sure. the background stuff that you've never seen. Exactly. And it goes back to, you know, I say probably one of my most uh, common notes that I give to uh, students is you can chop carrots for a whole scene. Uh, and I think it comes back to that, like just pick one thing that you know uh, and no one is going to care if no one's going to be sitting in the audience being like, that's too many carrots. They've chopped 50 carrots that I don't believe this. It's uh, yeah. Just whatever you do have use that as your jumping off point And yeah. Yeah try to expand on it yeah it's like the never-ending email that you think you're typing in a scene it's like if you're just if you if you're interested in in other parts of the scene like if you're interested in your scene partner uh, that is to say uh then yeah people aren't it's only if you're seen if you're disengaged is when someone's gonna like their eyes are gonna sort of start uh going zooming in on your hands and being like wow he's been typing that for a long time and at that point, if someone's chosen to uh, critique the amount that you've typed or cut a carrot, then something else in your scene went wrong way before, yeah. before that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And again, to a certain extent, uh, you know, I don't want it to come across like I hate the audience, but I think um, there's a certain amount of, um, you know, you, could, you have to be doing it for you and for your scene partners. Obviously, you can't be playing to the audience hundred percent of the time. So again, goes back to intention. I think if you're giving it your absolute intention to be as honest as you can in that character, and then an audience member stares at your typing the whole time, then that's kind of on them. You know, they're not getting everything out of the show that they could be. <laughs> yeah. um, I will say personally though, please just make sure you're, you're cutting a real carrot in your mind with a real knife. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> None of this like floppy arm <laughs> shit yeah, with your yeah. hands floating in it in yeah. space. <laughs> pool noodles cutting pool noodles. That's it. I'd rather yeah. no object work than than uh, half assed <laughs> object work. Um, yeah, but repetitive, committed object work, fine. Oh yeah, love that. <laughs> now for a practical nugget. It's a very sort of, maybe it's a boring piece of advice, but uh, the sort of outside in versus inside out in terms of character work, um, I can't encourage students enough to like 
change your physicality half a second before you walk on stage. Uh, that's just been my, ever since I started doing that, that was one of those sort of click moments and improv just became so much more fun for me uh, after that point. You just made me think also of like this opinion that I've held for a while. And that's like any, uh, like living, doing what you've been talking about in this episode is what I think once you like lock into it and start trusting it and doing it uh, and it being how you improvise, that's when improv gets addictive and like uh, something that you can feel yourself wanting to do all the time and forever. Oh, for sure. Compared yeah. compared to like back when I used to try to plan for my shows <laughs> or like mm-hmm. really try to, you know, think in my shows and be clever in them. And like yeah. if I had still, if I was still improvising like that like then then my well would run dry like your 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 well of creativity and cleverness actually does run dry um yeah for sure way faster well, than even your... just effort like yeah. you're you're putting in so much more effort you're gonna get exhausted yeah uh, and then that's gonna result in you not liking improv as much because yeah. it's a you know it's an excess it's a it's a workout instead of a free fun play right. pen yeah and all your scenes are the same yeah. Mm. Yeah, very true. Because, uh, like, I don't like the, when I fall back on samey character, characters that I've done time and time again. But when I say mm. that, I only mean, like, physical and, and vocally. Like, yeah. they are wholly different people every time. <laughs> like, yeah, my dad yeah. character that talks like this <laughs> has been a very different dad <laughs> a lot of times. <laughs> very different life yeah. this dad's had. Yeah. I think that's part of the joy as well, though, if you... You know, physically, certain people are gifted and have a trillion different voices, yeah. but I feel like most of us have a small handful of voices uh-huh. that we do. Yeah. But if you're sort of, yeah, if you're playing honestly in your scenes, then it will be a 100% different, you know, yeah. 100% of the time. Yeah. So I think I have, yeah. um, I have a lot of different voices that can last about one line of a scene and and then, <laughs> yeah. and then they'll revert to one of the other, <laughs> one of the handful. One of the five, yeah. yeah. Because like I'll, I'll, I'll come out and I'll think of some, <laughs> I'll just be like, yes, yes, Mrs. Johnson. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then they'll say something back and I won't remember how I spoke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'll go, yes, yes, that's correct. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. oh, I lost it. And it, it. just kind of... <laughs> Slides into an easier voice. <laughs> such a hack. I'm such a hack. No, we all are. Okay. Our suggestion is journalism. Yeah, James, um, thanks for coming in. Uh, I just need... Happy to be here. I just needed you to confirm some of those things that you gave me in a statement um, a couple of months ago. Uh, yeah. Referring to your old boss at your old job that we are taking down. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing an expose on them. Uh, are you still happy to stand by all those words that you that you said back then? Oh yeah, yeah. For sure. I don't. If I'm honest, I don't remember uh, what they were, but I will blindly commit to them for sure. You don't remember what you what you said? No, no. But I'm sure it was true. That you that know. is. That is cavalier. I've got to. I've got to say, you're not even. You don't even want me to go over them with you. No, I mean you can if you want. I just feel like it's a. It's a bit of a waste of time. Uh, you know, uh, I confirm. I confirm. I confirm. Whatever it was. Uh, I'm not sure you. You're getting the the gravity of 
of the scenario, James. I like we we are doing an expose on your old boss intent with the intention of bringing down a, a major corporation. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And you're and you know you as an ex employee from the executive level at that company. I was CFO. Yeah. Um, that's what I meant by executive level. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I knew, I knew you were a CFO, mate. Um, oh, I'm just proud. I can't tell enough people. I was a CFO, you know. Oh, that's okay. Well, that's the thing. If, if you were proud of that, then I imagine, you, you know, you're going to want other high level executive jobs. Are you, are you not? Uh, I mean, that would be ideal. Yeah. I would love to love to be on another sort of million dollar a year uh, position. Yeah. If you're offering. Is that all they're paying, paying you a million dollars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It seems like a cool mill. Seems like a small for that company, but um, so with that in mind, that you that you would like to get another job where you get a cool mill, um, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have any trepidation about you know putting your words to this article that that might be seen in 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 a disloyal sort of light. No, no, no. Here's the thing, I. You know, obviously being seen as disloyal uh, is not my top uh, option. Uh Um, But more important than that is uh, whatever I said previously, I need to stand by that. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm interested in being consistent, not being good or right, you know? Right. Um, I just wanted, okay, just for for a little test, Mm -hmm. uh, I'll, I'll draw your attention to this one statement you've made here. Uh, just the ending right. of it, basically. I'll I'll just get to the. You, you, there's a quite a long little monologue you went on. Um, I am verbose, yeah. But but towards the end, you said, uh, and beyond all the corruption, uh, I do have to remind you that also his bum really is smelly. Yeah, oh, I remember saying that. Yeah, yeah. So, I definitely stand by that. So you want us to include that you made a passed a judgment on. The odor of your old boss's bum. Uh, yeah, yeah. My old boss. Um, look, I'll be honest. Uh, it's been it's been a while now since I made those statements. Uh-huh. Obviously, uh-huh. And, and even longer since I was uh, in that job. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, I don't want to be seen as someone who throws out the grenade that is uh, calling someone a stinky bum and then taking it back. You right. Know? Right. That would be that would be a nightmare. Okay. So um, yeah, I'll stick by that. Okay, and you're happy about, uh, you know, calling him corrupt as well? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's true if I said it. You're sure it's true? If I said it, yeah. You did say it. Then it's true. I mean, I feel like we're going in circles here. Did you get hit in the head? (laughs) In the last last little little while? Have Have they gotten to you? I live uh, moment to moment. I don't know if that's something that you know about me or not. Um, have we met before? Oh, this is this is silly at this point. Yes, we've met. This is our right. this is our fourteenth sit down. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not that you know. I I, don't, I haven't been hit in the head. Uh, I'll thank you to uh, recant that accusation. Uh, but you know, I just prefer to say a thing and then not think about okay. it. Uh, but for the sake of consistency, I have to stick by whatever I've said. Right. You know. Okay. Living moment to moment is is all well and good, but I I don't I, I'd probably say you're the only person who chooses to live moment to moment who 
also actively wipes the memory of the moment that came before the moment. Yes, well, wiping the memory. That is correct. That is that is what I do. I um, I sleep in a uh, a lead, uh, a magnetized lead um, solarium, a converted solarium. Uh-huh. Uh, so every night as I go to sleep, shoo, you know, totally wiped. Um, and it's a bit of a 51st date scenario. I've, I've made a video for myself that I watch every morning uh-huh. uh, that tells me the essentials, right. you know, left shoe on left foot, right shoe on right foot. Wow. Because um, it totally wipes me. I, I am an infant every morning. Wow. Um, so I would say, you know, the real story, corruption, blah, blah, blah. But the real story is, you know, infant to man in, in one hour every morning. <laughs> God, it shows I haven't done it in so long. The first scene I've done in months and I'm, I have amnesia. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, I haven't felt that feeling of trying to back myself out of a corner. So <laughs> uh, that was fun, man. Yeah, I had a good time. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. See ya. There you have my friends. That was Josh Chodziesner. Check him out on Instagram. Josh Chodziesner. <laughs> Uh, he's got some great comics up there. I love him. There's one uh, printed out and framed right above my computer. I can see it right now. They're that good. They're that good. You print them out uh, and, and put them up on walls. So check them out. Uh, have a good one, everyone. That's all. I'm just going to go. You know what? I'm just going to... Wait. No, I'm not. Because I have a sign-off. I don't know if everyone remembers back to, I don't know, episode seven or something. I was uh, I was making my way through Beth Lepley's uh, sign-off options that she gave me uh, before we recorded her episode, and uh, I don't know if you recall, but since she stopped giving me them, uh, and I asked for them on air, I asked for a, a new a new batch. Uh, she didn't so much give me a new batch, but she did give me one new option, and here it is, everybody. You ready? Are you ready? Here it is. Remember, kids. Every door made out of wood is an organic opening. I don't know how that's a sign-off, but it is a great, great piece of wisdom. Every door, my friends! Thanks for listening to the Improv Conspiracy Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to take a moment to rate and review us on your preferred service. Five stars, please! We've got heaps of original sketch comedy on our YouTube page. Subscribe at youtube.com slash improvconspiracy. Just, I, I miss improv so much. <laughs>